You are believing three big lies about your marriage that are sabotaging your relationship and keeping you from the best life possible. But you're not alone. Almost all of us are. In case you didn't know, marriage is not easy. Every marriage has its issues, and every marriage has seasons that are harder than others. And if you're in a marriage that is struggling right now, I want you to know that you are not alone. But more than that, there's hope for your marriage. And throughout this video, we want to help you combat those lies with the truth of God who thought the whole idea of marriage up. In fact, here at Community Christian Anywhere, we believe that even though marriage and life in general can be complicated, confusing, and even exhausting, Jesus offers the true path that can lead us to a life of joy and meaning and rest. And this path is found in community with others who can help us learn how to follow Jesus's central command to love everyone always, just as he has loved us. And his love for us is greater than you could imagine. Because no matter who you are or what you believe about God, he is for you. In fact, here's a bonus truth that you can have for free. No matter what you think about God, he can't stop thinking about you. He has only good things in mind for you and your marriage. And throughout this video, we want to help you find all God has in store for you. Hi, my name is Kelly and welcome to Community Christian Anywhere. marriage hard? Why is it a struggle? Well, to be clear, it's because we have an enemy who is working against us. God has an agenda for your marriage, and it is bigger than you and your spouse's personal happiness. For followers of Jesus, we believe God wants to use your marriage to display to the world the love He has for everyone. The unconditional commitment in a Christian marriage is an announcement to the world of what the good news of Jesus looks like. And since that's the goal, our enemy, Satan, will do anything he can to destroy that picture. So the reason marriage can be so hard is because you have an enemy. And contrary to what it feels like, the enemy is not your mate. A follower of Jesus named Paul told a group of early Jesus followers, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Even though we can't see them, remember, unseen things are still real things. So when we find ourselves in a battle in our marriage or in any other place, we should be asking, how is the enemy trying to destroy every important relationship in our lives? What tool is he using? Well, for followers of Jesus, it shouldn't surprise us that the tool Satan uses against us are lies. Jesus once said of Satan, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Behind nearly every argument in life and every marital struggle is a lie we're believing to tear us apart. Now being real practical, what does this actually look like? Well, have you ever had destructive thoughts in your head that sound like your own thoughts, but they're not? They were planted there and it's hard to recognize. Some of the thoughts we have in our head that are destroying our marriages are hard to see, and so we need to train ourselves to think about what we are thinking about. The same Paul that I mentioned earlier tells Christ followers to take every thought captive and to make it obedient to Christ. 
If we have an enemy who wants to destroy all of our loving relationships and he's going to attack us and our relationships by sowing lies into our thoughts, then our counterattack strategy has to remain the same. We have to choose truth over myths that we have believed. Because here's the truth about all of us. We behave like we behave because we believe like we believe. You cannot outbehave your beliefs. Your beliefs are always showing in your behavior. If I believe something to be true, even though it is not true, I will act like it is true and the consequence will be destruction and toxin poured into all of my closest relationships. I read a book a few months ago about anxiety in our brains. And scientists have discovered that when we repeat a thought, we create a neural pathway in our brain. Now, what that means is our brain creates shortcuts to help us react faster. And if you have a good thought, then this is a really helpful trait. But if you're rehearsing a lie, it destroys things. So to change our destructive behaviors, I have to spend time rerouting my thoughts. So we're gonna spend our time this morning talking about some of the most common wrong thoughts or lies in our culture about marriage. Uh, these are the most common ones our, our enemy is using to attack our marriages. The first one is this. If your marriage is right, then it shouldn't be difficult. Now, one of the reasons that's so prevalent, I think, is because we all grew up with stories where there was a struggle and then the hero overcame it. And when the story ended, we said, and they lived happily ever after. Well, there's a reason happily ever after is the way you end a fairy tale. It's because that line is a fairy tale. Real life doesn't work that way. But Ed, God brought us together. I was on this app looking for a Christian woman and she was looking for a Christian man and I saw her picture and then I was walking through Kroger and I saw her. Our marriage was made in heaven. Well, I've never thought of Kroger as heaven, but I'll say this. Even if God did bring you together, you, you have to live in this broken world, which brings me to my favorite definition of a Christian marriage. It's when one sinner joins their life to another sinner and they create a bunch of little sinnerlings. So can I ask you to think about this lie in a different way? What other important area of your life gets better without some effort on your part? Your, your hobby, golf, tennis, your health, your fitness? Uh, what part of your life, even though it's natural to where did you ever gain some ground without some effort? Would ever you tell someone that the way to get ahead is just, hey, just let it happen. Just be lazy. Just expect improvement all the time. So why would the fact that your marriage takes effort to work be a sign that you're doing something wrong? Everything of value takes effort. You ask any couple that's been married 20, 30, 40 or more years and, and they'll tell you, it hadn't always been easy, but it has been worth it. Satan's always gonna to try to get us to give up, but if we don't, we're building a history with each other, a holy history that will bless us and will bless the people and the generations that come after us. Now, some of you are thinking, that makes some sense. Every relationship will have some conflict and struggle, but if I could tell you the story of my marriage, you'd see what is now so clear to me this is our enemy's second lie that he uses against us. I just married the wrong person. I just made a mistake. I, and I get why you feel that way because 
Can we all just admit that the, the way we do dating, or maybe you call it courtship, it, it, it involves a good bit of deception. What I mean is, I present the best part of my personality to her, and I see only the best part of her personality. And then you get married, and you see who they really are. The challenge in marriage is not to love the person you thought you married, it's to learn to love the person you did marry. If incompatibility was a grounds for not being married, then none of us could ever be married because we are not naturally compatible with anyone. But we can, through God's power, learn to love and cherish each other. And it's not just personality differences that's a challenge. We bring family of origin differences into the relationship. In my marriage, Becky's family is much more emotionally reserved. My family is not. My family is loud and boisterous and combative, and Becky's family, well, needless to say, they don't relate that way. Our families train us to think about things differently, and then we have different personalities and different temperaments. And that's not a bad thing. It's just reality. I'm very extroverted. It, that means I have to think about everything out loud. Becky's introverted, and she needs some time to think things through alone. I get energy from being with people. But Becky, while she loves people deeply, she, she can't spend a lot of time in big crowds or it just drains her. We have different families, we have different personalities, and here's something that we didn't always know when we got married. We have different past, and we bring past baggage into our marriage. And because of that, first years of my marriage, well, they weren't a honeymoon. They were often hard because we were trying our best, but we were inadvertently just poking places that got this massive reaction from the other person because we accidentally poked a wound and sometimes it was a wound that the other person, they didn't even know they had until we poked it. So you have different family backgrounds, you have different temperaments, you have baggage from your past, some you're aware of, some you're not even aware of that you bring into the marriage. And then on top of all of that, you also have a list of sins that you've curated in your life. And so we just need to accept up front, when, when we get married, we are wonderfully different people. This is why I say that for me, nothing has taught me to love all people better than trying to love Becky fully. Marriage has been God's classroom to teach me over 40 years how to love people who are different. I like the way Paul puts it in the Bible in Colossians 3.14. He says, regardless of what else you put on, put on love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. One of the greatest American Christians of our generation was a man named Billy Graham, and his wife was named Ruth. And when he was asked the key to their more than 60-year marriage, he said, we are happily incompatible. There is no perfect mate out there. I think this myth that you can find the right person is why divorce rates among marriages after the first marriage are so much higher. It's because people buy this lie of our enemy. I just made the wrong choice. I'll find the right choice next time, or the next time, or the next one. And it's just not true. Every marriage is made up of two people on whom God is working, and compatibility is that mutual decision we make. We are going to cooperate with God in what He's doing in the life of the person that we married. 
But the good news is that you don't have to walk through your marriage alone. You can find help for whatever challenges you and your spouse are facing. Here at Community Christian Anywhere, we don't believe that church should just be content you consume like this video you're watching right now. But for real life change to happen, the church has to become a community you can be committed to. And we'd love to help you take a step towards bettering your marriage through our community today. If you go to the website on your screen, cccanywhere.com, you'll see a card that says marriage help. If you fill out the form there, someone from our staff will reach out to you and walk you through some simple steps you can take to begin bringing wholeness and healing to your marriage. But I also know that many of you watching may feel like it's too late for you to find wholeness because your marriage is over. Or maybe you're on your second marriage and some of the same problems and baggage from your first marriage are creeping into this one and you don't know what to do. Well, on our website, cccanywhere.com, we have a card that says Divorce Care. If you'll fill out the form there, someone from our staff will reach out to help you get connected with other people who are walking through the same complications and pain that you are. There is no shame or judgment, only hope and healing. Or maybe you just want to build some friendships and connect with others who are engaging with our content regularly. Well, on cccanywhere.com, if you fill out the form on the card that says connect, we can help you find other people from our community who are learning together what it means to follow Jesus by loving everyone always. And everything from marriage help to divorce care to small groups all meet virtually, so you can do this from wherever you're watching. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to take a step into our community to find all that God has in store for your life and your marriage. But now we want to get into what I think is a really toxic lie that comes up a lot when people are in conflict and their marriage needs to move and it's not moving in a great direction. One of the reasons is because you hear this thought in your brain. Well, I'm not the one with the problem. Now, before I get more into this, I just wanna say, if you're in a marriage where your spouse is a serial adulterer, affair after affair, or where your spouse has a serious addiction problem and they refuse to move toward health and support, or you're married to someone who's abusing you, or is abusing your children, what I'm about to say, it does not apply to you. Your spouse is the problem. And you don't need to think that you can change them or fix their the marriage on your own. If they're physically abusive to you or your children, you need to move out. And if you reach out to us, we will do everything we can to support you in that decision. Now, I'm not saying that you don't have some baggage of your own. I'm not saying that you don't have problems of your own, but God does not intend you to stay in an abusive situation. And until that spouse is willing to work on their issues, no matter what you do, you will not have a healthy relationship. There are times when you can look at a failing marriage and you can say, one person is the problem. But most of the time when a marriage is struggling, both partners are contributing to the struggle. There is a well-known family therapist named Dr. Mark Carpel, and he says, most couples wouldn't need counseling if they would just ask and honestly answer this one question every day. What's it like to be married to me? Would I want to be married to somebody who behaves like me? See, see here's the thing. Your spouse does need to make changes, and you need to make some changes. And God is willing to work with any of us to make the changes we need to make. 
When I was in my 40s, a counselor friend of mine gave me one sentence that changed my marriage. He said, Ed, you are not God's agent to convince your wife she's wrong. And then he added, there is already someone working on convincing her where she's wrong. And his name is the Holy Spirit, and you aren't him. I found that what he said is the same idea that the Bible gives when Peter tells women to give up control over things that they want to see changed in their husband. He says, you're not going to nag your spouse into changing, but you can influence them by living a holy, which just for follower of Christ means distinctly Jesus kind of life. You can live a holy life in front of them. You live like Jesus with them. So what does that practically look like? Well, number one, it means you give up control. God is fully for you and knows thoroughly what you need to change to be the best you. But love demands that he doesn't control you. So first, we give up control and we pursue influence. And number two, we become the healthiest person that we can be. I've seen this in myself, and because it's easier to see in others than it is in yourself, I've seen it in almost every couple I've ever tried to help. It's one person in the marriage owning responsibility that is not theirs to own, and while they're doing that, it stops them from holding the responsibility that they do have, which is their own growth. You can take steps to improve your marriage, even if your spouse is not taking any from your viewpoint. We're told to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You need to own responsibility for your growth as someone who's being shaped into the image of Christ. Now, here's the thing. If you're not growing in grace, there's a particularly toxic lie that our enemy will tell you, and it'll destroy your relationship. Here it is. If they really love me, then they would, or they would not. If they really loved me, they'd never hurt me the way they have. I've often thought that the, the one marriage vow that I'd change to be more accurate is the one that promises better or worse, and maybe make it better and worse, because they're both gonna happen when you take two flawed people, which we all are, and you put them together. There is something worse coming. And here's what happens. Because the hurt is real, and because it came from the person that's supposed to love you better than anyone else does, it becomes really easy to justify your anger and bitterness and mistrust. That'll kill you. It's why two weeks ago when we started all of this with this idea that followers of Jesus, this is where you choose die over my. You take that hurt and that anger to the cross. Paul says it like this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as or in the same way, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And right here is where the most critical part of dealing with the lies comes in. This is where we have to take every thought captive. Because in a relationship, there's what I experience, and then there's how I explain that experience. And so many times the devil is right there to help you put this negative spin on how you define the experience. 
when Becky and I were young and in that young children's stage of marriage, which is a great time, but more than you realize when you're in it, it is incredibly stressful. But kids demand a lot of you. We just moved here to start this church and we were busy. I mean, really busy. And as I've already said, Becky and I are very different people and the way we give and receive love is very different. I can remember this one day when I had decided that I would do something for her to let her know how much I loved her and do something that I thought was really nice. And so I did. And when I told her about it, she said, oh, thanks. And then she went back to doing what she was doing with the kids. And at that moment, the evil one whispered to me, see, she didn't care about you. She takes what you do for granted. You went to all the trouble for nothing. Now, I wasn't very spiritual mature at the time, and I wasn't very emotionally healthy. I didn't have the spiritual resources or the understanding to know that I should be guarding my thoughts. So I became quite a problem for everybody in my house. And my wife quickly went from having three children to having four. And I ruined my day, I ruined my kid's day, and I ruined Becky's day. And it's all because I did not know to capture those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. Now, over the last 15 years or so, I've worked on this. And just recently, Becky and I were on a trip together and I did something almost exactly the same way I had done those years ago. But by that, I mean, I didn't say love to her in the way that she receives it. I did the way it, I would want somebody to say it to me. And when she received it, she said, oh, thank you. Just like she had years before. And the enemy whispered the exact same thing to me again. And in about two minutes, I was laughing at how stupid I was for not saying I love you to her in her language. And so I did, and it was received. And later, I thank God for his patience and strength to grow me up instead of just watching me blow up a marriage that I dearly love. See, love always believes the best about the other person, but Satan will always want me to believe the worst. So I have to take every thought captive and fill in the gap between what happened and how I explain it with the best possible explanation. Love believes the best. And that leads me to the last lie. It's what some of you are thinking today. It's the lie that says, there's no hope for my marriage. See, when you're in a place where your marriage is in a rough place and the waters are really churning, we have this tendency to think there are really only two options here. I can continue to live in misery or I can just get out of this marriage. Now we said that we wanted to give you a uniquely Christian perspective. There is a third option, and the third option is resurrection. Christians are resurrection people, which means we believe that God can pour life into anything or anyone that seems dead. None of us have a perfect marriage, but we all have a perfect savior who can do anything. Satan will always be right there whispering in your ear. It's too hard. Nothing's going to change. You've been hurt way too much. She's never going to change. But Jesus said, God, everything is possible. 
If you hear the thoughts in your head that nothing will change, there's no hope, you know automatically that is a lie from Satan. And it's time for you to call it a lie and tell it to get out. Over the years, I've heard so many incredible marriage resurrection stories about marriages that were dead and through the power of the resurrected Christ, they've come back to life. One of my favorites is a pastor friend of mine whose parents got married when they were really young and they had him as a baby. And it wasn't long after he was born that they got divorced. And my friend, as a little boy, moved away to a different state with his mom. And they lived there for a year or so. But over that year's time, God resurrected his mom and dad's marriage. And it's still going strong today. In the second run that has now lasted 53 years. We behave like we behave because we believe what we believe. And what we have to decide is if we want the marriage God wants us to have, what do we believe? Do we believe in a God that raises the dead? There is hope for your marriage. And as a church, we want to help. And our church provides some fantastic resources to help you grow your marriage. If your marriage is getting stuck on the same issue time and time again, we got people that can help you get past that in a healthy way. You just need to let us know that you want help. I mean, don't be afraid to do the hard work you need to do to have a healthy marriage. Stop listening to the lies and believe the truth. Jesus is the truth, and the truth sets you free. And when we decide we're gonna follow the words of Jesus, we become better equipped to defy the liar and experience the kind of freedom that Jesus is calling us into. I hope this video was helpful for you and that you want to discover more of what God has to offer for your life and your marriage. Attached to this video, you'll see a playlist of more content exploring what it means to live the meaningful life of love Jesus offers. Please make sure to watch one of the videos, subscribe to our channel, or follow us on Facebook so you can keep in touch with all of the great content we put out weekly. But we really hope that your interaction with us moves from just being content you consume to being a community you can be committed to. Because the kind of love Jesus designed for us to experience and share with others can only exist in relationship. So please reach out to us through texting the number on the screen and we can help you step into relationship with others who are also engaging with our content weekly. Or visit our website, cccanywhere.com, and you'll see a lot of ways to get connected to our community here, including the card that says join our Facebook group. Well, you'll be redirected to a Facebook community where if you click the join group button, you'll be able to connect with other people from around the country who are learning from Jesus what it means to love everyone always. But no matter what step you take today, I hope you leave knowing that no matter what you think about God, He can't stop thinking about you.